how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, and more, where we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and methods of a creative life. This episode is brought to you by FreelancerClass.com. At FreelancerClass, you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money as a writer, marketer, graphic designer, virtual assistant, or an accountant from the comfort of your own home. Make a little extra money or replace your income at FreelancerClass.com. In this collection of interviews, the screenwriters behind The Diabolical, The Reversion, and Backtrack talk about making horror films, the power of technology, the writing process, learning what you need or don't need, why smaller budgets mean greater freedom, original takes on old ideas, and when to let go of ideas. Let's start with The Diabolical, written and directed by Alistair Legrand and Luke Harvis. It's getting harder and harder to say where it actually hit me, but um, I, I, I think I was just watching um, Poltergeist one night, and I, uh, I'm obsessed with um, time travel films and teleportation and scientific ideas about that. I was just trying to, I just thought of a new way to tell sort of a family fucking house with a ghost movie and it just, you know, it just came to me and I, I just wanted to write it. And I, uh, as usual, I, uh, texted Luke and we started working on it immediately and, uh, fleshed out the central idea. Um, did you kind of, I don't want to give anything away, but did you think of the twist first or did that come later? Um, well, we have so many of them. It's, it's uh, a couple of them came later. Um, the central, the central idea definitely was was the twist, which is that it's it's not what you think it is. It's not like something paranormal. So that, right. that was just that was just the the, the original idea. Okay. Like, let's find a new way to figure out why things move in houses and why they get cold and why doors slam on their own. And let let's try to like back that up with something that's a little bit more grounded and kind of cool. So you said you guys were kind of doing this after your um, day jobs. How did you? How does it work with writing with a partner? What kind of? What's your routine and rituals like? We're uh, we're usually in the same room, and I don't know if other writing teams do that. Uh, I think we just sort of did it because we didn't know the different way to do it. So we're usually, you know we're in the same room, uh, and we basically just pass drafts back and forth. Is the is the process? But I mean, before we before we ever start anything, I think we usually talk about what we're going to do next. About you know, for for a while before we even start an outline, you know, it's like a month long conversation about like what we want to do and how we see it going. Okay. Yeah, it's um, the benefit of having a writing partner to me is that there is a another brain in the room to sort of discuss the beats of the script and the characters. And also, it's really nice because you can go, I'll write 10 pages and then give it to Luke and he'll read over those. So you basically are getting instant notes and instant corrections 
and then Luke will add his own things to that, and then he'll take over and write his own 10 pages, and then we'll just kind of play him around a draft that way. Um, and before that is a lot of outlining. We, we uh, collaborate through, like, Google Documents so that we can see the same exact thing and, and do it over that. Are most of your screenplays you've worked on together, are they in the same genre or different genres? I think they kind of all are analogous together, you know, and, like, they sort of occupy the same genre space but with a different take on each one. So okay, one yeah. might be more like a thriller as another one might be more of a supernatural. Yeah, we like to combine genres just because we're, uh, I don't know, we, those are the stories we like to tell. It's usually in science fiction, thriller, horror, and we're kind of throwing it all together into one um, big soup that we hope hope works. What's the most difficult step in the writing process for you? Um, I would say the most difficult step is uh, second draft. That, that's the part that where it starts to really feel like homework that you just sort of have to search through and get past all the, your insecurities and fears about what a horrible writer you are. And because um, we try to finish our first draft as, as fast as possible just to have something down. That's right. The, so-called the, the vomit draft. And uh, so once you're – the problem with a vomit draft is then you're, you're left, like, cleaning up a really messy room. And that, that is when it starts to really just feel like work. And once you get past that and start adding in newer ideas to it, then it gets fun. But there's that little hurdle you have to get through. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's like a point in most screenplays where you're looking at it and you're like, wait, is this, is this the worst thing anyone's ever written? <laughs> we we ask we ask each other that a lot. We're like, this is this is effing terrible. Um, and, but you know, we want to. We're also very stubborn, and we don't like to quit things. So we end up finishing most of the screenplays we start writing. So that's good. I, I also think that, like, uh, you know, I think that like that question, like, is this the worst thing anyone's ever written, is almost necessary in a way because it. I don't know, it really forces you to take a hard look at what you've done and uh, think critically about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the answer is inevitably no, it's not the worst thing that anyone's ever written on Earth. That'd be shocking. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I just think it's good to have that drive and have that question. Okay. Yeah, uh, and then uh, to add to that, movie titles are absolutely the worst thing to come up with. Movie titles are the worst. They're the worst. All our projects start as untitled for a really long time until the last minute. We like to feel like we're in middle school on Sunday night preparing for homework. Um, and, uh, yeah, movie titles are, are, are a, a hurdle. Okay. Um, so what was it like uh, directing this along with writing it? Um, I, I love it. I mean, you know, that's, that's how I hope to work. Uh, for the most part in the future is, is it's nice because I know the material backwards and forwards mm-hmm. more than a director who didn't write the script so I can communicate to the actors and give them a character backstory if they're feeling insecure on set and really try to, because that's the most important thing is you really can't lose your actors. You have to keep them engaged so it's so helpful to know the material better than anyone else. Um, and that that is that is the best part. Plus, I can tinker with the script to my heart's content during production, so it's, it's wonderful. And, and Luke's always around, so we can constantly. If a scene's not working on a location, or because of some issue, we can 
get in there and rewrite it really quickly and make sure that it's working. Um, what kind of advice do you guys have for other upcoming writers? My advice would be, uh, and again, it's kind of stereotypical advice, but you, you have to keep writing and don't be a perfectionist and don't think that the first screenplay you write is going to be absolutely perfect. You need to write like 10 horrible screenplays and kind of enjoy how bad they are and that you're learning and you're getting feedback from friends and trusted people and like enjoy that process of trying to make something good and don't don't think it's going to be your masterpiece straight from the get-go. So what was like the timeline for writing the movie and then for filming? I'd I, I say from the first draft to a notes process, it was about three months of work. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. It was, it was really fast. It was a really fast development, and it was a lot of collaborating with our producer, Ross Dinnerstein, at uh, his company Campfire, and just trying to tell the best story. It was, like, probably my first movie in the sort of this, uh, budget realm, so it was a lot of, uh, it was a big learning process of us trying to sort of, like, fit a story into a certain mold, and, um, but besides that, it was just, it was very fast. Okay. So you sell the story first or the actual screenplay first? Uh, the story itself. Okay. Yeah, you, you just pitched them, right? Yeah, I just, I, I went into a meeting about a totally different script that we'd written called Toe, and, um, they really liked that, but they were asking if I had anything ghost-related, and I pitched them my idea that became the diabolical. And they really liked that, and then Luke and I came up with a treatment a few weeks later, and uh, we were off to the races. Again, that was Alistair Legrand and Luke Harvis on their film, The Diabolical. You can find the full interview on Creative Screenwriting Magazine's website. In our second interview, we'll be speaking with writer-director Jose Nestor Marquez about his film, Reversion. The plot of the film revolves around the daughter of a billionaire tech mogul as she questions her own memories about her mother's death after being kidnapped by a complete stranger. I was writing uh, comedy shorts um, for a website that needed traffic. <laughs> And, um, I mean, it's kind of like a typical uh, 2000s, right, dot-com right. story. Okay. And you know, the great thing about that um, craft is that you have to write things with hooks. It's kind of like, you know, writing, like, pop songs, right? So I wrote, I don't know, like, God, must over 100 of these comedy shorts, and some of them wow. did really, really well. And so, and we would, we you know, we'd have to pitch them quickly, and we'd have to, you know, do these every week. So I ended up getting um, fairly good at writing stuff that, when someone saw it, hopefully they would want to share it, right? Because they got it, and I think that's the most important thing: is that people will not share something if they don't get it. If they get it, then they'll share it. If they don't get it, then they just like it. And liking is basically useless. So if you've made something that people want to talk about from the online world, which is where I come from, that was a mark of success. And so I think that's how I sort of got into um, the kind of writing that I'm doing now. Okay. And so where did this idea come from? Um, so I guess I should back up in a, in, a, uh, in, in a sense because before I was doing this, writing these comedy shorts, um, for a number of years I'd been in San Francisco 
doing consulting for nonprofits uh, around technology, um, digital media, and I was also a conceptual artist. And I got into conceptual art from having done philosophy in college, and I was going to go to grad school, and philosophy ended up not doing that. So in a sense, I've been battling with my obsession <laughs> over technology and how it changes the way that people interact with each other, how, sorry, how we make things um, why we make the things that we make as tools, what, what, are, what the goal of these tools are, is, are, those are questions that I've been asking myself for a long time. So um, in a way, this is just you know the most recent version of me doing art where I ask, why did we make this thing? Why are we so seduced by it? What danger or what benefits could there be to this thing that we've made that, in a sense, we don't fully understand um, because we don't ever fully understand ourselves. What are some of your writing rituals? Um, that's a good question. So music is a really big part of it. So um, oftentimes when I'm writing a scene, I will play a song um, that I feel is – that the song already understands the scene better than I do, right? Um, right. I'll play that song over and over again. So there were moments when I was writing the script where I heard some songs – I don't know, like for six or seven hours in a row, <laughs> which I think from, you know, from the outside is just, you know, clear, like is not normal behavior, but in the process of writing, it felt, you know, perfectly normal and comfortable. Within that, what do you find the most difficult step in writing? Oh boy. Um, I think it's letting go, right? So I think there's a lot of del deleting, or at least for me anyway, there's a lot of deleting and, Starting over again, and I'm I have I I have been impatient in the past. I've learned patience the hard way, uh, and I still have a lot of learning to do in terms of being patient. Um, but I think it's it's sort of slogging through and waiting for the pieces to fall into place. It does not happen uh, always at when it's supposed to, right? At the at the time at the pace at which it's supposed to, for all sorts of I mean, for good reasons, I guess, the opportunity to make this film happens very quickly. And so the script was written in about three months. Wow. Um, from, you know, from scratch. So, um, you know, that basically means that, you know, you're, you're waiting for the idea to come to you, but you're also pulling really hard <laughs> to, to make that time go faster. What were some of your influence on this film? Um, you know, I really like 70s conspiracy movies. Someone just asked me about that, so I, I, I was reminded of that. But I do um, I enjoy movies where um, people have an opportunity to look at the world the way it is, mostly, which is open-ended and ambiguous. Um, and I think for all sorts of reasons, the 70s were a time where America in particular was like, um, getting over having deceived itself or having, you know, been let down, you know, by the president, by the war, by the civil rights uh, movement, which ended in so much bloodshed. Um, and there's just a great deal of violence, you know, in the late 60s and um, a lot of disappointment in terms of the story that America had told itself of itself. So anyway, all of which is to say that I think some of the movies that come out of that, that time, like uh, um, The Parallax, for example, or um, the conversation, which is conversation, just a, a 
amazing movie, very relevant to today, I think. And yes, it's about technology in some ways. I mean, the guy, Gene Hackman, is using this really, at the time, high-tech technology to record conversations. It's also about morality and about, um, you know, being more than just the person who gets paid, right, about being a, a human being. Um, so anyway, that, 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 those are the kinds of movies that I, I guess I enjoy the most. Any advice for young writers? Mm, you, know, I, you know, one of the things that's really different about today than like 15 years ago is that you can actually, you can make something that looks pretty good. Um, and you can share it with a lot of people very easily. And so I think to find a filmmaker, if what you want to do is right, to find a filmmaker um, that makes decisions that you like um, and then to get things out there. So I think the process of making things is really instructive. And there's so many compromises, so many compromises that come um, about in the process of making a movie, right? What you end up seeing, I mean, you know, some people have more fortune than others, more money, the right people, all the right people. But still, even those people have to make sacrifices. So I think getting into the habit of learning when to let go, right, Um and then learning from that as a writer, because if you can, you know, an editor, the editor who uh, edited my first movie said to me something fantastic before we shot it. He was looking at a script, the version of the script that we were working off of then, and he said, you can shoot this, this scene, but I'm going to cut it. <laughs> so I would suggest that you, you know, you, you know, and so that was a very instructive thing, and I, and I, I always now try to, have that kind of presence of mind. But I think it's difficult to do that if you're not in conversation with filmmakers or if you're not making, you know, movies, which can be shorts. But I think the process of actually making it is a, is a quick way to get into the habit of learning what it is you don't need. You know, most movies that get made these days are made with uh, existing IP, right, intellectual property that people already know. Right. They know who the good guys are. They know who the bad guys are. Uh, or they're made for a mass audience. Right, so even if you don't know who the characters are within the first three to five minutes of or the first minute of meeting them, you know who's the bad guy, you know who's the good guy, right? And this movie wasn't made that way; it was made with a smaller budget, but it was also made with tremendous freedom. And the movie is, from what I'm told, uh, shocking and surprising. And I think people should should at least have the option of going to a movie where they don't know how it's going to end, and they should have the option or have the experience maybe of going to a movie and being surprised. And so far, everyone who's seen the movie has been really surprised um, throughout. Again, that was Jose Nestor Marquez about his film, Reversion. The full interview is on creativescreenwritingmagazine.com. In our third interview, we're going to be speaking with writer-director Michael Petroni about his film, Backtrack, starring Adrian Brody and Sam Neill. I was something of a stand-up comedian in Australia. I had done a... had a bit of success with it. Um, I then got into writing TV, but I was still performing. And then one day I was, one evening I was literally up on stage and I just thought I don't ever want to do this again. And it wasn't even such a bad night. Like I had plenty of them, but it was, I was just like a mental shift that I had. Wow. Uh, I call, I call it my shine moment as in the movie shine. <laughs> Everything just goes very silent, and then I, I, the words are coming out of my mouth, and I'm not I'm not attached to them. So, 
At uh, that point, I gave up and very quickly pursued um, working behind the camera. Were you like a stand-up for years or just a, short, a brief time? Um, too long. About, about, about seven years, I think. I was in a trio, which was kind of like a cabaret comedy thing, too. That we had a whole like hour show. So, yeah. Okay, very cool. <laughs> um, so you so you kind of got into screenwriting and behind the camera. Um, what led you want to want to write this story? Um, well, I was shooting uh, my first movie, which is quite a few years ago now, which is called Till Human Voices Wake Us, and. Um, I was. It occurred to me that there were, was another story around the same themes that was like the darker, frightening version of that theme. Not so much the plot, but the theme. So uh, I started to think about it way back then. Then I got an opportunity to write something for myself. I'd kind of made a bit of time for myself years back and uh, I started to write it but I wrote it starting out as a, a writing exercise I just wanted to see if I could write something that had a lot of uh, missteps for the reader and so playing with the reader's assumptions and things and by the end of it I'd written backtrack um, it's it's somewhere kind of between a thriller and like a horror movie. How would you define the genre for this piece? Well, that that's right. I mean, I think that was kind of like a, a result of it being a writing exercise. So it kind of morphs it kind of morphs genres. So yeah, it starts out as a psychological thriller, then kind of slides into a ghost movie, but then heads into a almost a detective kind of thriller. So it kind of that, and that was kind of the i the intention was to just keep flipping the movie. Uh, as a writing very, exercise, that's good, but as as a film to make, it, it was challenging. <laughs> very. Um, was there any kind of outside research involved in writing this film? Uh, no, I just drew on, I mean, I'm a, I've got a psychology degree, so I, I drew on a lot of what I know about the, uh, very unreliable faculty of memory and I just kind of went from there. Okay. Um, are there any kind of, uh, cinematic influences and that inspired you for this film or any of your films? Uh, I don't think you can write a film without being influenced by what you've seen. For this film in particular, approaching it as a director, I was definitely was interested in the camera being a participant in the storytelling, and so I uh, I looked at a lot of Hitchcock's movies. Adrian Brody has done a, a few of these psychological thrillers. Did you write this character with any particular actors in mind? I never like to write uh, with an actor in mind because then all I do is hear that actor's voice and, okay. you know, it's going to sound great because the, the actors I'm imagining are all great actors and then I just think I've written brilliant things and I can't, I've, I lose my perspective. So right. I like to just 
ignore that until we're up to that point when we're casting, and then I think very seriously about that that um, question. Okay. Um, so when it's you alone in the room writing, what are some of your writing rituals? <laughs> That's kind of morphed over the or changed over the years. Uh-huh. You know, I, I used to be very superstitious, and I used to have to, you know, have everything on my desk a certain way, and <laughs> you know, even wear certain clothes. And you know, I, I, that was I, I, I got out of that at some point. Uh-huh. Practicality hit. <laughs> I had two children, and suddenly superstition just went out the window. So, uh, but <clears throat> in terms of process, I. Always start out with the best intentions of, you know, I'm going to get up early and write, and I'm really successful in doing that for my first act. Mm-hmm. And then inevitably my day slides from morning into afternoon, and then I'm always finishing my script 2 o'clock in the morning. So it kind of shifts as I write. I just, oh. I've just learned to accept that and not fight right. What's like the overall time frame on something like this story? Like how many weeks or months or years did you work on it? Or like, or maybe a draft of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, eight to 12 weeks. So I, I think I wrote this in about the first draft of this in about eight weeks. And it, it's pretty much what, what stayed. Cause okay. I had a fairly I mean, I had an idea. I definitely had an, an idea of what all the plot points were, but in terms of, like I said, the exercise of writing it, and I just kind of just went on instinct. Like, literally, I would say, I feel like something needs to happen here, and I would make something happen. So right. I was imposing twists on, on the script, which uh, it's, it was, look, it was an exercise. I, I don't think I've ever written like that since, and but it it produced something that I I think was interesting. Okay. Um, what do you find to be the most difficult step in the writing process? Pages thirty to fifty. <laughs> okay. I think that they always because you you write towards your inciting incident and your first act moment that kind of projects you into your second act, and then. The next thing you're reaching for is your midpoint of your second act, and you've got that whole that whole patch between the exciting event that just has happened to the next big thing that happens, and that always ends up being about character struggles, and uh, it, it kind of always shows up how little homework I've done on character. <laughs> I have right. to go back then and go, uh, it's all about character. Okay, now I now I can sort of just let go of the plot, which I've gotten very excited about, and now I'm going to, now I have to go back and really tool at my character. And it's, all, it's always around that point that I do it, and um, for some reason that's just how I write. What makes a good story, in your opinion? something original even on an old idea you need an original take on an old idea i'm always looking for an original version even if it's playing on an old trope i I don't mind that 
I just think you need an original take on that. I think the other thing is having an interesting character. You need a character that has uh, depth. And I think uh, whenever I've wound up in trouble, it's always because I haven't thought hard enough about a character. And so um, I don't think you can ever do enough homework on your on the characters that you're writing. I think it's only ever helpful. Um, is there anything you wish you had known uh, right before you got into the, the screenwriting world? Yeah, let, let go of ideas. Ideas are... You have to trust that ideas will come to you. So don't ever get hung up on an idea. There's always another one, often a better one, just around the corner. And that's really hard to do, mm-hmm. to let go of what you think is the whole... Everything that you think is the whole underpinning of the story is based on an idea, and uh, often it's not. And if you for have, some reason something's pushing you to think that it's not, then you have to go with those instincts rather than resist them. Do you have any um, methods you go about deciding what stays and what goes? you have a certain people you trust to read it early on or things like that? Oh, yeah, I have reads, but I usually try and nut up those things for myself first because I feel like deep down I know the answer and it's it usually is just the struggle is usually about my resistance. And the other thing, I, I the other advice I would kind of wish, I, I, I taught myself um, this, I wish someone had told me, although it's just one of those things you learn, I guess, and that's to commit. So once you decide on something, commit to it. Don't kind of do the half version of it. Go ahead and do the whole version of it because you, it's the only way you're ever going to know if the idea works. And sometimes that feels like a whole lot more work, but it's always worth it to go down. Even if at the end of it you go, okay, absolutely no, that doesn't work. And that knowledge then helps you make your next decision. What kind of um, films or books do you watch over and over again, or do you read over and over again? Is there any, is there any stories you're always clinging to? Yeah, uh, there are a few movies I have to see at least once a year. Uh, Hitchcock's Vertigo and Rear Window. Um, I think Contact, for some reason, is... I, I always find myself watching it. Is there anything else you'd like to share about this film? It's a genre piece with, I think, a, you know, a, I think it delves into an area that I'm very interested in, and that's, you know, the whole idea of memory and what is memory and what are we out, outside of our the existential moment that we're living in. And that's always fascinates me that somehow we're just a construction of ideas outside of the momentary thing that we experience, and yet without it, we're we don't we're not our anything. We're not ourselves. So a big part of what we are is what we construct, which I think is fascinating. Do you find any um, 
differences in your writing versus the writing that you're planning to direct? Do you see it any different way, or do you always write about the same way? Well, I think uh, writing to direct, you, it's you, you. I think it, it's different because I know I'm. I can't bullshit myself. I have to write. Uh, I have. I have, I'm going to have to shoot what I write, so that immediately you've just got the bullshit detector on. So you can't you can't play smoke and mirrors with it. You have to know that what you've written will work, and so you're you're already kind of scrutinizing. I'm always already scrutinizing my writing more when I'm writing to direct. That's not to say I'm. I just feel like that's just the difference, and I think. Writing for a studio, in some ways, there's room for experimentation because it's just inherent in literally in the contract that you're going to be writing more than one draft or something. So there is room for experimentation. And in that way, it's kind of a collaborative thing. And you are willing to experiment with other people's ideas a little more than I think I would if I were writing just for myself to direct. I usually feel more dictatorial in terms of the story. Right. Okay. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't have, I know I'm not going to have any arguments, so it's kind of easier to do that. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter to get your free download of the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block, which includes advice from writers such as Aaron Sorkin, William Monaghan, and Carrie Fukunaga. The newsletter will also keep you up to date on future episodes, new articles, and more. Sign up at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com.